Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. So the army of Quraysh, they march north from Mecca to Medina. They reach an area called the Abwa. Anyone remembers why Abwa is significant? Who's buried in Abwa? Where the mother of the Prophet was buried. Yes, Amina is buried in the place called Abwa. When they reach the land of Abwa, some of those pagans, they say, let's exhume her body. Let's, you know, unearth her body to desecrate her and if there's any remains, we'll burn her. And, you know, they wanted to seek revenge from the Prophet. Now, some of those other pagans who had a little bit more wisdom, they said, no, you know, this is not right. Not because they cared about the Prophet or about any ethical values. They're like, if we open this path, other tribes will come to our graves and they'll do the same thing. So let's not start this evil tradition of exhuming people's bodies and burning them. So they avoid that idea. The Prophet ﷺ, he dispatches Anas and Mu'nis, the sons of Fadala or Fadala, to go and collect information about the Quraysh. So they come and they confirm that the army of Quraysh has reached near Medina and their animals are grazing in the land surrounding Medina. So the Muslims were shocked. 4,000 people have left Mecca to come around the city of Medina. This was an urgent matter and on a Thursday afternoon it was confirmed that the Quraysh had reached the place where today we call Mount Uhud. See when you come from Mecca to Medina, you have to enter Medina normally from the southern part. But the southern part geographically is a very rough terrain. It's got mountains, rugged areas, it's not easy for a massive army of 4,000 people with all their camels and horses to go through that route. They wanted a place that was open, that allowed them to camp. So you know what they did? They actually did not enter Medina from the south. They went from the northern side of Medina, which was vulnerable because you could easily ac uh, access Medina from the north. You did not have too many hills and mountains. You had, you know, nice valleys where an army could encamp. So they entered from the northern side and that valley is called Valley Aqiq, Wadi Al-Aqiq. And people who would go to Iraq, uh, they would go from that route. So they settle by the mountain of Uhud. And the reason why that mountain is called Uhud is because Uhud in Arabic comes from the root word Wahid, which means one. Mount Uhud is not connected to other mountain chains. It's a standalone mountain. Because it's an isolated mountain, the Arabs would call it Mount Uhud, meaning like the single mountain. And it's only a farsakh away from Medina. A farsakh is about five kilometers. So this is pretty close to Medina. You're talking about three, three and a half miles from the city of Medina. That's where, that's where they encamp. The Prophet ﷺ loved Mount Uhud. In one hadith, he's, when he would see Mount Uhud, he would say, Uhud Jabalun Yuhibbuna wa Uhud is a mountain that loves us and we love this mountain. Now some people may wonder, you know, what does the Prophet mean over here? 
This is just a mountain, rocks. How can the mountain love the Muslims and the Muslims love the mountain? Well, remember the Quran tells us that everything in existence has some level of perception. Exactly. In fact, isn't there a verse in the Quran in which Allah says, if we were to reveal this Quran on a mountain, لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعاً متصدعاً من خشية الله You would see the mountain due to the heaviness of the Quran and the power of the Quran, it would split asunder. So the mountains actually have some level of perception. Another verse states that when Prophet Dawood he would do the tasbih and the munajat and glorifying Allah, the mountains would glorify Allah with him. So there are references in the Quran that even the mountains have some recognition of God's existence. So the Prophet says Mount Uhud is a blessed mountain. So on Thursday, the 5th of Shawwal, year 3 of the Hijrah, the Mushrikeen settle by Mount Uhud. The Prophet consults his companions that Thursday. What should we do? 4,000 fighters are just three miles away from us. And they're about to ransack Medina and seek their revenge. So the Prophet consults his companions and he's demonstrating for subsequent rulers that you should consult. You know, don't be dictators, you should consult. I'm a prophet of God, I receive instruction from Allah. But in these matters, I do also consult my companions. So the Prophet consults them. The companions divide into two groups. The smaller group, led by Abdullah ibn Ubay, the leader of the hypocrites in Medina, he says, my suggestion is, let's not leave Medina. Let's stay in Medina and let's embrace the tactic of what is called fortified defense. When they enter the city of Medina, let's all be in the defense position. Let's even have the women help us by going on the rooftops of their homes, throwing rocks and stones at them. We'll strike at them with spears and arrows. So let them come in their big numbers, 4,000. But we will take our posts and we will just kill them. That way we guarantee that we defeat them. Because what are they going to do? And he said to the Prophet that historically, whenever the inhabitants of Yathrib, of Medina, would use this method, they would never be defeated. The army would be defeated. But whenever the people of Medina would go out to fight, they would be defeated. So Abdullah ibn Ubay, this was his suggestion. Other companions like Hamza, Asadullah, Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, the leader of the Ansar, they say no, this is not appropriate. We just won the battle of bed. Now like chickens, we stay in our city and have our women. This, what, what is this? This is unacceptable. We are fighters for the sake of Allah. We are warriors. We should go out there with full courage and stop them from entering our city. And this is shameful for us to allow the enemies come in our alleys and possibly break into our homes and our women get up there and stone men, that's, that's not appropriate. Hamza was fiercely against this idea. He says, I swear by God, I'm going to leave and I will fight there at Uhud. I'm not gonna let them enter the city of Medina and desecrate the city of Medina. And this will kill the spirit of warfare because you know, when you're in the city and your alleys, what kind of a war is that? So a lot of companions resisted the idea and the suggestion of Abdullah ibn Ubay. 
interestingly, it seems from historical narrations, initially, initially, the Prophet may have been inclined to stay in Medina and go with the suggestion of Abdullah ibn Ubay. But when the Prophet saw Hamza, his uncle, and others by majority rejected that idea, the Prophet says, fine, then we will go out to Uhud, we will not stay here. My personal analysis of why the Prophet accepted the second suggestion, even though it was riskier, right? Because when you go out there and you have 4,000 men, and the Muslims were only 1,000 by the way, only 1,000, you're one-fourth. Two reasons, one is what the companions mentioned, you know, it's, it's kind of shameful, it, it, it shows weakness, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna stay in my house, until you come, I'm gonna fight you. No, be a warrior, go out there and fight and defend the religion of Islam. It shows weakness on behalf of the Prophet and the Muslims, number one. But the second one, my analysis is, the Prophet did not trust Abdullah ibn Ubay. And in fact, when the Prophet left to Uhud, some Jews came and they told him, let us join this battle with you. The Prophet said, I prefer not. Why? Why do you think that is the case? Because of what happened that later. Abdullah ibn Ubay, he had made a pact with the Jews and he was the leader of the hypocrites and he openly sometimes described his resentment to the Prophet. It seemed while logistically his idea made some sense, right? Maybe less casualties that way, maybe you ensure that you defeat them. But what if Abdullah ibn Ubay and the Jews, when the Mushrikeen enter Medina, they side with them and they let them in. What are you gonna do about that? This was a big risk. It seems Abdullah ibn Ubay was plotting and conspiring to have this happen. So the Prophet he did not want to be the one who would say, no, this is not a good idea, let's go there. And then they would accuse him, you know why? He let the companions suggest it. Once the majority suggested it, he's like, okay, we'll go with the majority. It was a good way to avoid tension later on. That way everyone shares the responsibility of going out to Uhud. So my analysis is Abdullah ibn Ubay was not honest. See, he did, something, he did say something that makes sense, but he was plotting with the Jews in order to destroy the Muslims. And remember, this would have been their perfect opportunity because Abdullah ibn Ubay had a lot of tribes under his influence. He could have told them, this is a perfect opportunity to get, get rid of Muhammad and his Muslims. Now there's 4,000 strong fighters, Remember at the time, at the time, the, the citizens of Medina did not number 4,000. So if you have 4,000 coming in and then some of them betray and they switch sides and they expose your weaknesses and they let them in, that's it. There's a chance that the entire city of Medina will be destroyed. So in any case, the Prophet rejects that idea and he decides to go out to the battlefield. So the next day on a Friday, the Prophet leaves the city of Medina to Uhud with an army consisting of 1,000. Some young boys, they came and they asked for permission to join the Prophet. The Prophet didn't uh, allow them. So for example, Usama ibn Zayd, he was too young. Zayd ibn Thabit, Abu Sa'id al-Khudari or al-Khidri, al-Bura' ibn Azib, Zayd ibn Arqam, Amr ibn Hazm and some others. The Prophet told them, you're too young. You're just young boys and it's not appropriate for you to come and fight in the battlefield. So the Prophet excused them. 
When Abdullah ibn Ubay sees that the Muslims are going to Uhud with 1,000 fighters, he's like, you know what, let me do something to kind of tip the balance and further weaken the Muslims. So you know what he did? He withdrew his support. Remember, initially the Prophet gathered everyone and they all agreed that they would go together. Abdullah ibn Ubay, out of those 1,000, he had 300 under his leadership. So when he broke off, the Muslims lost 300 fighters at a critical time. Look at his crime. And he collaborated with some Jewish tribes to do that. So 300 people broke off from the army of the Prophet. How many did you have left? Only about 700. So 700 on the Muslim side. On the pagan side, how many? 4,000. Now this was really serious. 700 to 4,000? It was really no match for the Muslims at this point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposed Abdullah ibn Ubay for withdrawing his support. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this verse in the Holy Quran. وَإِذْ غَدَوْتَ مِنْ أَهْلِكَ تُبَوِّئُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ مَقَاعِدَ لِلْقِتَالِ And you Ya Rasulullah, you came out from your family in order to mobilize people to go and fight. وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah knows everything. إِذْ هَمَّ الطَّائِفَتَانِ Two groups, what did they decide to do? مِنْكُمْ أَنْ تَفْشَلَا وَاللَّهُ وَلِيُّهُمَا وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Two groups were determined that you become cowards. Al-Imam al-Sadiq in one hadith he comments, he says that this is in reference to Abdullah ibn Ubay and also a part of the Khazraj from the Ansar, they decided to withdraw their support when they saw Abdullah ibn Ubay withdrawing his support, they're like okay let's withdraw our support as well. So this really weakened the Muslims, you know Abdullah ibn Ubay the crime he committed was a big crime to kind of just withdraw your support at the last minute. So the Muslims left with 700 warriors and they arrived on Friday at the location of Mount Uhud.